Good morning. So uh, I'm used to walking over this way. This is going to get tight. Good to be here this morning. I hope you guys have had a good day, a good week. I hope that God has uh, got your heart, met you before you got here, um, and been preparing for this time. I I always know coming into this that uh, he has great things in store for us, and that we come to meet him in that. Amen? Amen. So um, you guys ready? Breaking the mold. So one of the things I want to tell you about this morning, uh, every once in a while you have your greatest plans of mice and men you know, set up, and um, I, every once in a while this happens. I thought I was going one direction, and so I set you guys up last week to hear all about this certain story, and uh, got into the text and got into what God was actually preparing, and he took me a little bit different direction. So I'm sorry if I've dis- I disappointed my wife. She was... She was going, I was really looking forward, you know, she's not even here. I point to where she usually, yeah, she was, she was so disappointed she decided not to come, I guess. No, <laughs> she'll be here. Um, but uh, she, was, she was saying, oh, I was looking so forward to hearing more about, you know, about Hagar. But uh, we'll touch on her story. Um, but God has an important word for us this morning, as he really does seek to um, break those things in us that keep us from him, break those things in us that keep us from the life that he intended and the good that he intended for us um, so that we might be brought into the fullness of the life um, that he designed us for and designed for us. Amen? Um, so that's what we're going to be looking at. Um, <clears throat> we have been on a journey over the last couple of weeks with Abraham. Uh, Abram started out. His name's going to change. Uh, started with Abram. Uh, we've been, for him, it was a, a literal journey, a physical journey. He went from you know, up in somewhere in Turkey and he, all the way down to Egypt and then kind of back to the middle again. Uh, but it was also a spiritual journey, and that's what we've been looking at. It was a journey where God was taking Abram from the person he was to the person God intended him to be. And I want us to, I want us to get that in our heads because God is taking all of us from where, who we have been, who we might have been born in this world. Um, all of the strengths, all of the weaknesses, all of the brokenness, all of the glory of God that we reflected, but he's taking us from that and it really is brokenness, and he's bringing us into uh, who he has intended us from before time began, who he intended us to be. Now, um, the reason we need to know that is because without that kind of shaping, that kind of God shaping his presence and his shaping in our lives that shapes us towards this God-intended presence, this God-intended life that he has called us to, uh, towards that thing that he has uh, it says, you know, it uses some really heavy words in scripture, predestined us for. He determined beforehand that he wanted us to be, and not, not, not a certain type of person per se in this world, but that he wanted us to be his children. He wanted us to reflect the fullness of the glory that he intended for us. Um, without his movement towards that, we, don't, we may not realize it, but we don't have a purpose in life. Now, we may do many good things, we may say that those good things are our purpose. We may even be convinced that we have this purpose. But I want you to hear this. Without God's movement, that shaping his presence, without his lead in our lives, we're like that guy that's driving down the freeway, right, who thinks he knows where he's going. He's, and he has all kinds of intention and all kinds of confidence that he knows how to get there, right? He has it in his mind exactly and, and everything's going great until the moment that he shows up and realizes 
that the place that he thought, that this, this, this destination he was trying to reach, the place he wanted to go, where he thought it was, is not. And so he realizes, you know what, I didn't know where I was going. And all along that journey, that confident journey, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I think a lot of people are going to get to the end of our, their lives and they're going to realize that indeed they were created by God. And they were created to bring glory to their creator by living the life that he intended for them. And it was a life that we, we can't even imagine. It's a life of fullness and of purpose that we can't even imagine apart from him. But instead, there are many that are going to find out that they've wasted their life, their time, by living this, this misinformed kind of existence that truly doesn't have any significant lasting value for themselves or anyone else. You guys, that is a horrible thought to think that we could end up in the place. I do not want any of us to end up in that place. God doesn't want any of us to end up in that place. That's why he pursues us. That's why he gave us Jesus. That's why he gave us his word. That's why he gave us his spirit so that we could be enlightened into what his word is talking about. And that's why he gave us the story of Abram, right? One of many stories that are meant to instruct us and help us understand God's purposes in our lives. Amen? Let's stand together. We're going to read the next kind of installment of the story in Genesis 15, verses 1 through 6. I need to give you a little bit of background because it starts out with these words. After these things... What are these things? Abram had just been out. He had gathered some of his allies. They went, his uh, nephew Lot had been living in Sodom. Sodom and Gomorrah, their kings had gotten into another fight and they had been taken captive. And so all of them are taken captive. Abram took his warriors along with his allies and they went and they, they beat these guys and got Lot and all the, rescued all the captives and all that. He was offered a reward. He turned it down. He says, I can't take anything so that no one can say that they made me rich. I made that. Somewhere along the way, he made that kind of vow to God. He would not do that. So after these things, those are the these things. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. He had just seen that, right? He'd been protected in this battle. Uh, and your reward will be exceedingly great. He just turned down a reward. And God said, don't worry. Your reward's going to be great. But Abram said to God, O oh Lord God, what would you give me since I am childless and the only heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Now, it, this is the only time that this name is mentioned in the Bible. He's just saying there's this guy up in Damascus. He is legally the guy that gets inherited. What would you give me that would be a true reward to me since you haven't given me the one thing that basically you've been promising me, which is an heir? And this guy, he says, so since you have given me no offspring, this one born of my house is my current heir, right? But behold, the word of the Lord came to Abram, saying, this man will not be your heir. Rather, one who will come forth from your own body will be your heir. And he took Abram outside and he said, look now towards the heavens and count the stars if you're able. He said, so shall your descendants be. And Abram believed God, and the Lord counted it to him as righteousness. 
Consistently, we've seen when God says to Abram, this is what is going to happen. We see Abram turn around and he says, okay, I gotta figure out how to make that happen. And he keeps messing stuff up, right? Um, he, but then when everything crashes and burns, when all his plans fail, when his math comes up short, we find that he comes to these places like this in the story where something turns. Something in his heart turns. And he says, you know what, I'm gonna let go of my math, I'm gonna let go of my directions, my map, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just trust that God knows what he's talking about, I'm gonna let him take the lead, I'm gonna go wherever he says to go, I'm gonna follow him, I'm gonna trust his word that he's gonna carry it out. It says, God said that is righteousness. We think that righteousness is doing a bunch of good stuff, but God says, no, that, when your heart turns to me, that's righteousness. You guys, we've been invited to join God in what he's doing in this world. You know that? God has an intention and a purpose for each of your lives that is vast beyond what you can imagine. You may think that you're doing important things now, but he says, just try trusting me in it and see what I can open up. See what I can do through you. See what I can lead you into. And he invites us to do that. But it comes through a life of faith. Not my will, not my agenda, not my, not my time frame or my plans. It's like Jesus said, not my will, but yours. Amen? Today's uh, message is titled, Helping God Out. <laughs> Father, this morning, we meet you here, and we come as those who have our plans, and we have our, our long, you know, we have those long-distance strategies and those, those goals for the future, and we have those dreams that we've set up, and we've, they've really, some of them have become idols that get in the way even of, of you, because there are times that we hear you call and we say, well, no, I want you to go with me to where I'm going. I want you to go and, and back me up in, in what I'm doing. And you say, and you, you keep calling us to join you in what you have intended us for. And the fullness of the life that you have designed and, and created for us to enter into. So Father, this morning, we just ask that you would you would do that work of unpacking that, that mind <laughs> that has so many plans, uh, of giving us the grace to humble our hearts so that we're not trying to lead, and that we have the ability to just humbly lean into you, lean into that place where we can see what we need to see, we can hear what we need to hear, give us hearts that understand so that we can turn the direction we really need to turn to find the blessing that you have intended from, for us from the beginning. God, we pray that you would give us this grace this morning through your word, through your spirit, that you alone would be lifted up, that Jesus alone would be lifted up. His name we pray, amen. Amen, have a seat. So when I was a kid, I used to love helping my dad out with projects, you know? Um, 
And the younger I was, the more inclined I was to just love helping my dad out with projects. But the thing that I found a, a little hard to understand was why he would never give, a, give me any of the you know, important pieces. You know, I'd see him working on this important stuff, and he'd always give me the easy stuff, like, you know, could you carry this thing over there, or could you hold a light you know, so I can see it better, and stuff like that. And so every once in a while, um, I would try to help him out while, you know, there might be a project that's going on. And so I'd sneak in usually while he wasn't there, you know, and try and help him out with this project, you know, do some of the things he hadn't let me do uh, when he was there. And uh, when that would happen, that's when I'd start to realize why he hadn't let me do that. Because I'd get into it and it's like, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, so I'd kind of wing it. And it usually wouldn't be that helpful, you know, for the project. Um, because the truth is, is that, you know, I just, I wasn't, I wasn't ready for it. I didn't have the mind for it. I, I, I couldn't help him out. He was training me as he let me come alongside it and watch him sometimes. He'd hold my hands and help me help him, you know, help me help you. Um, when God calls us to live out that life that he intended for us, he knows that we don't have the capacity to live it out without him first living it out through us. Okay, so Jesus comes and he says, come to me, all of you who are heavy laden, who are weary, who are burdened down, I'll give you rest, but take my yoke upon you. A yoke is what you take two, you know, two oxen, you put them together and you yoke between them. Usually a, a more seasoned ox will be, will be yoked with a, a younger ox, one that's learning. He says, take my yoke upon you. And learn from me now, for I'm gentle and low in heart. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. It's saying, you know, he invites us into, let me lead. Learn how to let faith yoke you to me so that you follow and learn. You learn how to do the things that I've called you to. You learn how to live this life, but don't try and live it without me. It's not going to work. We don't have the capacity so each time that we, we have a choice in our lives, we have this decision that we're, we're faced with. We choose either to live, I choose to live my own life, my own way with my own strength. And really what I'm hoping in that scenario is one of two things, either that I impress God with all that I'm able to do, right? Or that there is no God that's going to actually evaluate how well I've done based on what he intended for me to do. I hope that he doesn't have any intentions. I hope that he doesn't have any standards because I hope that whatever I do is good enough, right? Or we choose to live a life of faith, which means that I learned to lean on God. I learned to lean on God to do the impossible in me, right? Because he said he's going to make me worthy, worthy of spending the rest of eternity with him. I go, how in the world is that going to happen? I know me better than that, right? He says, I'm going to do the impossible in me. But you have to trust me. You have to have faith that I can do what you can't do. I, I, I am trusting that he is going to make me worthy of his name that he says he's given me, worthy of that he has really created me, this new creation that's going to grow up like a child before him. And, and I learn how to cooperate with his spirit Right? And let him do the leading. I, I learn how to let this yoke, that, that really is it's not hard. It is, it is gentle. But it's this yoke of just letting him nudge and learning how to follow those nudges. Learning how to follow him into those places that he leads and believe the impossible of what he says that he's going to do. 
But learning like that, learning how to live like that, it takes time, right? Because we're, we're, not, we're not initially in that, that mode when we, when we first come to Jesus. We may say, Jesus, I wanna be yoked up with you. But those first, those first you know, years and decades, and I don't know, millennia, who knows, of being yoked to Jesus, we're pulling this way and we're pulling, right? We're learning how to do this work with him. Um, and we see that in Abram's life as well, right? So two weeks ago, we see that God calls him and immediately he says, okay, I gotta gather my team. Got to stack the deck to help God get his job done. And we saw, and we do that all the time, right? We said that. And we saw, no, all they did was it messed up what God planned to do. And it messed up the lives of all those that he pulled into this plan that wasn't God's plan for them. So then the next week, last week, we saw Abram, you know, he, he gets to this place and he says, you know what, we got to get to a safer place because we want God's work to be successful. So we don't want as much uh, coming against it. So let's move to a safer place. But we found, no, that messed that up too, right? God was not able to do what he intended to do because Abram moved to a place that he didn't intend him to be. And again, he messes up all the people because he drags them into a place that God never intended them to be either. This week, we're going to look at this uh, uh, kind of this third attempt that Abram makes, and this is where I thought this, this story was going to go, where he and Sarah I get together and they say, you know what, we got to come up with this heir. God promised me an heir, and he said that it was going to come out of my body, and so they come up with probably the worst plan ever, <laughs> right? And uh, he tries to kind of create this descendant for himself. They figure, well, these are the parts that are working, these are the parts that aren't working, let's get the parts that we can figure out how to get them to work. But he said, no. But this time, there's this new twist in the story. When this you know, uh, bad plan comes into place, there's this new twist because we've gone through Genesis 15. In Genesis 15, it says that at that point, Abram leaned towards God. He believed what he said. He said, okay, I'm, I'm gonna go with your plan because my, my ways aren't, aren't working out. So I, and there was this shift that happened in his heart called faith. And that changed everything. What's interesting is um, this Exodus 15, 6, where we find this Abram believed God. It's found in the middle of Abram's story. Right? It's not found in the beginning. It's not what sets us off. It's not at the end. It's not at the end of a season where all of a sudden everything becomes rosy after that. It's, not, it, it's almost like the story doesn't change, but right in the middle you find this word. And it's the only time, you guys check this out sometime, because it's the only time the Hebrew word for faith or belief, or trust, is used in that story. The whole life of Abraham, and the only time, I mean, he is called the father of our faith. He is called, you know, a friend of God. You have all, but the only time that word is used is, is there in Genesis 15, 6. And we look at the story, and we see all these actions that we would call faith. Right, So God called Abram and he dropped everything and he went to where he said he was gonna, you know, he told him to go. We see him fight armies and he's protected, right? We see him building altars and worshiping God and we say, what's, what's that then? But it's only here in this middle that it says that his heart shifted in faith and he believed God and God counted it to him as righteousness. So here in the middle of this story, there's a shift, Right? Where, Abram, where God says to Abram, no, I'm going to give you a descendant and he will be coming from your own, your own body. 
You don't have to, you don't have to scheme. I am faithful to follow through with what I said I would do if you will trust me. And at that point, it says that Abram believed God. Now, what's interesting is it says, you know, God countered that to him as righteousness. That that is what God was looking for. And that is what God is looking for from us. Because you read the rest of the story, Abram still messes up, right? They come up with the worst scheme ever to figure out how to make this thing come out of his body, right? But still God said, you know what? This is where the story shifts. And it changes everything about the outcome of that because from that point on, Abram is not, he's not trying to scheme in spite of God. He's trying to figure out what God is saying to him. From that point on, he's leaning into that. And he's letting God teach him about what it means to follow him in this faith. You guys, there comes a point in our relationship with God when we turn from just doing things that look like faith to where we really do things out of trusting God. He says, that is righteousness. And it really doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter the outcome. It doesn't matter whether it ends up, of course we're gonna make mistakes, right? God, when he, when he rescues us, he doesn't wave a magic wand over us and all of a sudden we're perfect. Unless this happens, anybody, right? <laughs> no, right, me neither. I mean, I trusted Jesus, and then I went in, it was almost like into a training program of what does it mean to do things out of my trust in Jesus rather than do things because I don't quite trust Jesus, right? So he says, you know what, there, there's still things that are going to happen, but the good and the bad, the challenges, the good decisions, the bad decisions, we start learning what that, we, we looked at the, the, the verse last week of Romans you know, 828, where it says, he will cause all things to work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. For those who lean in in faith, God can turn all things. The doing of things. Why this is important is because, you guys, the projects aren't the point. God doesn't, he's not looking for us to come to heaven with this resume of all the great things we've done and all the you know, good decisions we've made and, and to lay it before him and somehow impress him. All the things that we've accomplished to change the world and everything. Do you guys realize, do you realize that God in an instant, in the blink of an eye, could speak a word and do more in that moment than we could do if we, all of us together, could do if we put all of our mind to it, all the days of our lives. So getting stuff done isn't the point. Getting even the right stuff done isn't the point. The point is to have a heart that is learning and that knows how to learn, how to be a child of God by leaning in in faith and letting him lead. And that means, that means crazy kind of decision-making at times. But it also means just a, a humility, a general humility of just saying, God, every, every time we walk in, we go, God, I, I, I don't, I think I know what I'm doing, but I'm probably that guy on the highway, you know, right? Driving somewhere, I don't even know where I'm going and I don't realize it yet. So God, help me see what I need to see. Help me hear what I need to hear. Help me turn in the ways I need to turn so that I actually get to the places that you have intended for me. Because we know his plans are greater. His plans are better. That's where we find, in scripture it says, that's where we find healing. You know, we, we think of healing as just the body, but it's body, it's soul, it's spirit. 
we find, that's where we find that we're, we're, we're transformed to be more like Jesus each day rather than more and more into this brokenness that we find in ourselves, more and more into this lostness and this confusion and frustration that we can find in our own, in our own strength and our own ways. God's looking for a heart that leans into him in faith so that he can use whatever circumstance or whatever project he has us in Whatever, whatever good decision or bad decision, whatever failure, whatever blessing, whatever challenge, he can use any of them for his work of shaping us to be more like his son, Jesus. So you guys, here's Abram, and he is. He, he, goes, he goes from this place, and I want, this is, this is a story. So he, and, um, he goes from this place where he, he turns, he does this, the shift happens in his heart, and he says, okay, I need to start trusting God. And so he takes the word that God said, you know, no, this, this air is gonna come from your body. And, and he and Sarai, they get together, right? And they say, okay, this air is gonna come from my body. Obviously, it's not gonna come from Sarai, Sarai's body right now because Sarai was not bearing children anymore. She's, at this point, he is like, he is 89 years old. She's like 79 years old. I mean, they're just, they're, they're looking at themselves. Oh, it, it's, no, I'm sorry, it's worse. By the time Sarah gets there, so this is 15 years earlier, right? So he's, he's 85, she's 75. But they're looking at it and they're saying, okay, this can't happen. And, um, and so they look and, and Sarah says, you know what? And they look, what they do is they look to the, again, one more time, they look out to the culture around them. And we do this all the time too. We look for our lead from, okay, so what is, what is happening out there? What, what kind of rules can I put in place? Because that's what we've been shaped by. And they say, you know, um, I have servants. You know, Abram had a household and everything under his household was considered kind of a part of him. And so whatever they did, it was attributed to Abram that he had done because he is the head of that household. And so, and Sarai says, well, I have servants. And so therefore kind of whatever my servants do, then um, it's attributed to me. So if I have one of my servant girls have my baby for me, standing like a surrogate for me, it's still my baby. She says, let's try that. Which is a horrible thing, isn't it? I mean, we look back at that and we're like, how could you... Again, how could you drag this other human being into this situation that, that had nothing to do with them and completely, I mean, try, you're going to mess their life up because of this grand scheme you have, this plan of how you're going to get God's work done. The problem is, too, is that it worked, right? He got a son, and Abram starts believing, believing for 15 years, this is the heir. And God finally takes him aside and he says, no. He says, you know what? Sarai is your wife. She's the one I gave to you as, 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 your, as your wife, as your companion in this journey. And she will be the mother of this heir. As I intended. So quit running off and doing your own thing. Well, Abram, he's in this, this faith lane. He goes, oh man, okay. Okay. Um, I thought I had that right. But when God tells him that, he laughs. And he laughs. Why? Because he's 99 by this point. Right? And Sarai laughs when she hears what God has said. Why? Because she's 89. And they're, and, but, but here's the thing. In faith, 
they lean into it anyway. How do we know that? Because she gets pregnant. Rated R. I'm sorry. I should have led with that, right? A little innuendo, PG-13 at least, right? (laughs) They leaned in, 89 and 99, and they said, let's believe God. And they laughed. Let's believe God. Have you guys ever been in a place where you're just like, this is impossible, but let's trust God, right? He seems to be saying this, so let's just, and we laugh. She gets pregnant, she has the child, she carries the child, 89 years old, carries the child, has the child, a son. And God says, you know what I want you to name him? Isaac. You know what Isaac means in Hebrew? Laughter. Right? Because when God said it, we laughed. When we got pregnant, we laughed. When we had this child, we laughed. Every time we see him, we laugh. We laugh because of how God can do what he said he would do if we'll just trust him. So yeah, they, they kept scheming a bit. They, they didn't go through this. They had arguments leading up to that whole thing, and the whole thing about Hagar, and it caused divisions. It caused divisions to this day. It, it had consequences that flowed out from it. But one of the things you find in Hagar's life, too, because this wasn't just a scheme that Abraham messed up, it didn't end up like Lot. Lot, his own nephew, ended up in a very serious place because none of that happened. But here's Abram, and he's trying to lean into God, and they come up with this thing. You know what? God gives Hagar a blessing that's much like Abram's blessing. Hagar ends up with a whole nation. Hagar ends up as a free woman who is the mother of this child who becomes a nation. Why? Because, Because somehow even in that, faith was at work right? That somehow when we lean to God, he takes all the things, all the brokenness, and he can turn all of it to good, all of it to good. We look at what God was happening like right now in the Middle East as a result of, right, the consequences. We know that, the family lines. I got down and there's this conflict. This is conflict that's always been there. But we can say, you know what? We know that that started with someone who was trying to lean into God with faith. And Hagar leaned in faith on God. We say, you know what, if we can lean in faith, even in that, God can turn all things for the good. All things for the good. And he showed he could when Jesus came, but he says, because he said, you know what, there's not gonna be, there's not gonna be male and female, there's not gonna be slave and free, there's not gonna be, there's not gonna be one nation and another, Jew and Gentile, there's not gonna be that, because in Christ I'm gonna pull all that down, because I'm going to make good of all things for those who trust in me. So the question this morning for us is, where's where's our heart leaning? You know, God's not interested in us being perfect. He knows we won't be, in fact. That's why Jesus died. He said, "I've, I've forgiven you. When did Jesus die for our sins? It was before we even committed one of them, right? So Jesus had forgiven us before we had even stepped into that. Why? Because, because he knew. He knew. He knew. We, it says in Psalm 139, he, he knows we're but dust. We're going to still trip up. We're going to still fail. We're going to still sin. We're going to falter. As we, but if, we will, if that shift will happen in our heart where we say, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to lean to 
to God. I'm going to take on that yoke with Jesus. I'm going to let him yoke me to him and teach me so that I can learn from him how to walk in this life of faith, a life that Jesus alone lived in his perfection, right? Jesus walked with God the way he was intended to. Jesus walked with God, navigating with the Holy Spirit and just walking and taking every step rightly. If we, if we will, if we'll yoke ourselves to him, he can teach us. We're going to try and go this way. He goes, nope. <laughs> right? Faith. It's a new posture for our heart that leads to new perspectives for our vision, which then leads to a new foundation for our decisions which then can lead for new directions in our actions, which then transforms our story. So it becomes a part of the only story that's going to last, which is God's own story. Do you know that at the end of time, one story is going to remain, and that's God's. There's one victory that's going to stand, and that's his. Everything else is going to fall, fall before it. Every other name is going to fall before the name of Jesus. And so if we are not woven into his story, if we're not bound to him, yoked to him by faith. Just, and that's not a slavery. That is a, that is a willing humility of saying, he knows how to teach me what I need to learn. But it says, his is the only one that's going to stand. So, so we end up that we have his story and that our stories becomes part of his, becomes just part of how he has told his story in this world instead of, just us being another chapter of the ongoing saga of the brokenness and the fallenness of the line of Adam and the line of Eve, right? That he brings us in and he shows us not only salvation, but uses us and uses us in the same way as he did to, to Abram. He says, I will make you a blessing. But you guys, that, it does. It takes, takes a journey, doesn't it? Abram was on a journey. God has us on that same journey. But at some point, he faces us with, will you trust me? Will you put your faith in me instead of in yourself? Will you believe what I have said instead of all the things that you're hearing around you? Will you take my perspective and my kind of strategies instead of the strategies of this world, the strategies of the evil one who's in rebellion against me? Will you believe in me? So what does this mean for us? What, do we, what can we take away with us? You guys, one is that question itself. You know, will we trust God? Have we had that shift that happens in our hearts? We say, okay, humility, right? Mind, be quiet with all your ideas. Heart, humble down, right? Before your Lord. And we give him our faith. Well, one of the things I think we learn also is, you guys, we need to know that God's not after our successes. Some of you guys need to be freed up from that lie. That it is not about having enough successes that you impress God when you get to the end of your life. He's not looking for that. Abram teaches us that. He believed God, and that's what God considered righteousness. There is no righteousness that doesn't come out of faith. And sometimes... Those actions that come out of faith, they don't even look that right. But God knows they're right because they are leading us in it. He is teaching us how to be more like Jesus. 
is what brings us to a place of humility. Righteousness is not all victory sometimes. Sometimes we suffer defeats because we have to learn, you know what, I gotta let go of that thing because that's not bringing me closer to Jesus. That's not, that's not helping me follow him. I gotta let go of that, right? God's not after our successes. But in the same way, the other side of that is that God does not condemn us because of our list of failures. We think that we're bringing this resume to God if we have too many bad things that that's what he condemns us for. That's not the condemnation. The condemnation comes, the judgment comes because we haven't entered the life, the only life that's gonna matter or last, which is that life that is in, in partnership with him, where we give him our life in faith. We trust in him, right? Some of you guys need to be set free from the idea that you have failed too much that you're beyond help, that you're beyond hope, that you're out of reach of God. Because Again, God doesn't care about the doing. He could do it in a snap. He could get done. He could set everything. He could wave a magic wand. He has the power. He can make everything. But he, why doesn't he? It's because that doesn't matter. The heart thing that matters is, is our heart in alignment with him? Are we, are we friends with God? And that comes through faith. So some of you guys need to let go of the list that you're trying to create of all the great that you've done. Some of you need to let go of the list of all the bad that you think you've done that keeps you from God. Some of you need both of those because if our eyes are not fixed on him, none of it matters. So he says, just turn your heart towards me. Lean into me. Learn what it means to walk with me and let me lead my will, right? Not my will, his will. Second thing I think that we can learn is um, something I said the first week, which is something like that, that takes time. It's going to take time. It's going to take time to undo all the bad thinking. It's going to take time to, to re- reform all the habits, right? It's going to take time. So give God time and trust him. Trust him that if your heart is leaning towards him, that he has that covered too that he, he is going to begin. He's given us, a, in, in Philippians it says, he is faithful, he is true to complete the work that he starts in you. So trust him. Give him the time that he needs. But lean in towards the work that he's doing. Lean in. Don't try and rush it. Don't try and help him with it. You know, in the sense of like making things happen that you think need to happen or doing the... Trust him in it. Lean in. As a final part of this, I want to give you two things. I want to give you a verse, and I want to give you a, a prayer. First, the verse is, is found in Proverbs. It's 3, 5, and 6. Many of you guys know this. But it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean to your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. The only way you can acknowledge him on all your ways is if he's right there, right? In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. King James said, he will direct your paths. We want him to direct us down paths. He directs the paths so that we even have good paths to go on. Amen? Prayer is this. And if this is your prayer, you know, if this is, you're just saying, this is a prayer I want to give you because it's a prayer I think we can pray every day, multiple times per day. But if you guys would close your eyes and just pray this with me.
Lord, give me the eyes that truly see. Give me ears that truly hear. Give me a heart that understands. So that I would see with my eyes. I would hear with my ears. I would understand with my heart. And I would turn. so that I might be healed. That I would turn towards you, I would turn towards where you're turning, God, that I would turn so that I might be healed, not just in body, not just in mind, but all of me. The prayer is found in Isaiah 6. It's in Isaiah 6, it's in Matthew 13, it's again in Acts 28. It's a prayer that has been the prayer of God's people. It's been a desire of God's people. Amen? Eyes to see, ears to hear, heart to understand, so that I might turn and be healed. Amen?